BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. 855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can get in touch with us. And guys, it is a different kind of show this year. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite show that we do all year. And this is the Fantasy Focus Show. And it's a Fantasy Focus Show because, you know, we talk about sports betting and people go, wait, well, well, what does fantasy have to do with it? First of all, they always overlay. I find a lot of, if not all, sports bettors are fantasy fans. And even if you just took it out and you didn't talk about daily fantasy, which is a form of sports betting, which we can make a lot of money on daily fantasy. And our Roto-Mill fantasy expert, Chuck T, is always on with us um, week after week. We, we talk about fantasy. We touch on it on our regular show. Chuck T comes on once a month or so, gives his take from our Roto-Mill. And all of the stuff that we do relates to not only season-long fantasy, But you also, which in a lot of ways is betting, I get it, but you also relate it to daily fantasy. And then you take that and you can relate it to the most important thing when we're talking about sports betting is prop bets. Prop bets start to become so much more involved, especially within the fantasy community. If you have a guy sitting on your flex position or whatnot, and you know know what, when he plays this kind of defense and he plays this kind of situation, oh, the catching, there's only four catches, I'm going over for that, boom you can start to kind of broaden your horizons when you're talking about sports betting and the kind of sports betting that you do. So we're going to look at a fantasy focus today. We're going to take a look at uh, the fantasy draft for the NFL. I know most people are about having their drafts about now. I was going to wait until next week, but next week's show is going to be the college football preview because we do begin on the 28th. So I'm going to release that on the 25th or so. That all goes off on the 28th is kickoff for college football. The week after that, I release usually uh, about right about August 1st or 2nd. We're going to be releasing that. Well, we're going to get into the NFL preview. I'm going to give you the full year's preview there. And then we're going to release this on the 8th, and that's going to be the week one preview. So for the next couple of weeks, there was no opportunity to do this. I would advise people to not draft this early in the middle of August. I would advise people to wait until and maybe 25th, 26th or so, or even even if you want to go later than that until you know the 31st or the first around there. You want to get, from a fantasy drafting perspective, in a year-long league, and I'm not necessarily talking about keeper leagues, I'm not necessarily talking about dynasty leagues, um, but in a year-long league, you want to draft early enough that you could make some moves 
but late enough that we know all of the injuries or most of the injuries. And that really is a situation that so many new people that are setting up new leagues and new commissioners, they really kind of, they make that giant mistake. And what happens is you get impatient and you want your team and you want to draft your team. And you you go, ah, you know what? I'm ready to go. And you start drafting in early August. And then something like Zach Wilson goes down. Something like Joe Burrow still hasn't taken snaps because of his appendix. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, we're still kind of waiting to hear back from him. Tom Brady's not even with the team. I think he'll be okay. But there's a lot of information still floating out there. You also then have the other side of the coin. There's a lot of commissioners out there that want to sit back and they don't want to do their draft until like September. And into September and days before the draft. I've done a draft and, uh, you know, my my good buddy Tim in Vegas, it's very hard to try to get people to all come to a live draft. And he does the live draft. And I've done a draft where we're drafting during the Thursday night game, right? So I think that the late drafts are bad also because it doesn't give flexibility for trading. So you have to kind of know your league. I'm in one league where we, we trade all the time. There's always trades. There's always pickups. There's always everything. And in another league, which actually happens to be this league, nobody trades anything. So it's not so terrible. But you want to give yourself, generally speaking, the opening day is on Thursday the 8th. To me, you don't want to draft any later than Thursday the 1st. You don't want to draft any later than a week before then because you want to give yourself a good six, seven-day window to really assess your team. Because once you're done with the draft, you're going to finish up that draft, have a couple of beers, have a sandwich, and you're going to look at your draft. And I don't care if you're in an auction league, dynasty league, startup league, standard snake. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you draft 1, 2, 12. It doesn't matter. You're going to look at your team and you're going to go, I like this team. Everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody looks at their team and they go, all right, yeah, I like like my team. And you get one of two kind of reactions. You either love your team. Oh, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't change a thing. This is the greatest team of all time. Or you go, and I like this team, but I'm going to have to tweak a little bit. And even the guy that loves his team on Thursday, give him three, four days to settle down. Three, four days to now start becoming attached to those players. Three or four days to start going back and go, oh, you know, I, I know I like that guy. Oh, there's double bye week. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh, I don't like in the playoffs. Oh, he's playing the top defense. Oh, that's going to be rough. So give, give the guy a couple of days or give yourself a couple of days. and then. You could kind of reassess and you could say, ah, I didn't realize it. Uh, I got too many bye weeks in bye week nine. I have to switch it up. Boom, boom, boom. And then you could start making some trades and you could start making some moves. That's not to say you can't make moves during the season. But most of the important trades to set yourself up for team success will happen then. There are a lot of people also, and it may not be you out there. There are a lot of people that draft strictly with the idea to trade. I've seen this happen a lot. Guy goes out there. And he drafts, uh, you know, reaches on Patrick Mahomes in the third. And then somehow or another gets, you know, Dak Prescott with a decent value. They go, well, well why do you need both? And then, then he gets a third quarterback. And, it's, it's, you know, somebody in Justin Field. Well, why do you need three quarterbacks? Well, you don't. But now he can trade Dak Prescott when someone gets hurt. Well, you know, may, maybe you don't have to wait until somebody gets hurt. Maybe you look at someone's team and you go, eh, you know, what do you think of Kirk Cousins this year? Uh, you know, he's your starter. How about you get, get, get here, here's Dak. Hey, give me somebody for Dak. So you want to have that flexibility. When we're talking about the draft, and when you're talking about getting into a season-long draft, 
I my my standard is this. First of all, for every fantasy community member out there, here is my advice, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, hockey, okay, whether any of the major sports, don't just draft season long. It's just, it's boring. It's boring. You want to get attached to the players. The entire purpose of fantasy is that they become your guys. They're not on your team, but they're your player. They're your guy. They're the guy that you follow their career. You want to get attached, and you don't want to sign them up every, oh, well, this guy, I can't get this guy, even though he was my guy. So have some sort, I suggest dynasty leagues. Dynasties are great, but have some sort of keeper league. Maybe it's not a five-team keeper, which I tend to like, a five, six-team keeper. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a two- or three-year keeper, uh, two- or three-player keeper. And I also would say this. Stop with the snake traps. I mean, just honestly, come on. Can we just can we just stop with the snake drafts? Auction is the way to go. Auction is the only true test of someone's talent because a snake draft, it, you might go, you know what? I, I'll spend $100 on Austin Eckler this year, but I, I'm picking fifth. I got no shot at him. Why? You know, snake drafts leave so much to chance. It just leaves so much to the imagination. So I 100% sit back and I say, okay, Dynasty draft, sure. At least have some sort of a keeper. That's number one. Number two, make sure you're doing an auction draft. Honestly, let, let's just let's stop the snake draft. Snake draft, you know when you snake draft? My son is turning nine. I'm probably going to put him in a snake draft league this year. Uh, that, that's that's when you snake draft. He, he's turning nine in January. Uh, for you know, for this year, I think he's ready for a snake draft. By the time he's like thirteen, he should be on auction. That, that's how I feel. So. Guys, it's for very amateur people. I get it. And we do have amateurs out there. But that's the the basic feel of how I look at the draft. Also, get fun with your draft. Get interesting with the scoring. Have a little bit of fun with the scoring. You know, the standard one quarterback, two running backs, two receiver, three receiver, flex position, tight end, kicker, defense. I fell asleep saying that. I just I just took a nap in the middle of me saying that. No, have some fun with it. I'm in a league with two tight ends, two kickers, two defenses. Uh, you know, it's crazy scoring. There's only a six man bench. Every transaction that you make is five dollars. So you got to be really careful. Don't get bye weeks. I mean, it's fun. I don't agree with two kickers, but it's fun. It gets it gives it a little something extra. Another big league that I'm in, I really do take serious. I like the guys that I'm in it with. Um, we have a linebacker, we have a defensive lineman, we have a, a defensive back that you choose, and it's a keeper league, and it's an auction league. So guys go up $5 every year. I mean, these are the fun rules. If you don't want to have fun rules like that, go into fun scoring. Oh, you know what? I'm, we're going to make fumbles minus three points this year, but interceptions only minus two. I, oh, you get dinged up for interceptions almost as much as a touchdown. Have fun with all of the scoring that you're going to have. It makes your league unique. It makes it entertaining. And it also gives you a little insight and a little, a little opportunity to kind of dominate your draft. If you're aware of the scoring differences and the rule changes, yeah, be, be, be very aware that you could take advantage. I'll tell you a quick story here. One of the leagues that I won, and it's that two tight end league, you know, one of the leagues that I won the one year that, that I really dominated well, we, we didn't have enough teams, so we only had 11 teams. We didn't have 12 teams that year. So everybody got a free bye week. 
Meaning you just had, you look, because the way that it matched up, you just got a free bye week. Well, I figured out my bye week was going to be week nine. All right. Who's off on week nine? Oh, actually, the Patriots were off on week nine. So I reached for Gronkowski. I reached for White. I reached for Tom Brady. I reached for the New England Patriots defense. I reached for every, I had the Patriots defense, the kicker, Brady, Gronk, a running back. I, I reached for everybody. But I knew I never would have to bench anybody because I don't even have a bye week. Well, that was the way I kind of circumvented the system. The other thing I would definitely say, and my wife is such a culprit of this, <laughs> it's actually laughable. But I say this with sports gambling as well, so you could equate it to both. Do not fall in love with a player or a system or anything with no mobility. Now, let, let me back that up a minute. I am not saying do not go into the drafts with without a plan. You have to have some sort of plan. You have to know what you're going to do. Look, a lot of people love the tiers. Okay, I'm going to put these guys into tiers. If you're in an auction draft, all right, this is how much I'm willing to spend. This is what I think I'm going to spend. These are the guys I think I'm going to spend with year after year, and it probably won't happen for me this year at all. But year after year, I used to reach for Travis Kelsey. I reached for Rob Gronkowski. I was a tight end guy. That's what I did. It's the same thing in, in baseball. When I played baseball, I was always a catcher dude. You know, I always wanted that position eligibility and that, that big-time bump up in position. By the way, I don't think so this year. We'll get into that. But So I knew, all right, I will outbid everybody for Travis Kelsey. I will outbid everybody for Gronkowski. But I'm going to be hurting here, here, and here. Knowing my plan. Knowing my game plan. But all of a sudden, if I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to outbid everybody on Travis Kelsey. And this happened to me last year, guys. I said, I'm going to bid outbid everybody on Travis Kelsey. He's supposed to go for like 35 bucks. I'll go to 40. He went for $56. I pulled the plug, ran away from Kelsey, and wound up settling on George Kittle. So you have to be able to kind of move over and don't fall in love with one guy. You don't want to fall in love with with one situation. I you hear people all the time in snake drafts. I'm coming out of the first round, you know, guaranteed to have a running back. Guaranteed to have a running back. Well, what if you know running backs go one through nine in your draft, and and the tenth pick you're gonna you're gonna take the tenth running back, or you're gonna take Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson, right? I, I mean, it's just foolhardy. You you don't want to do that. You you have the 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 game plan of all right after five rounds. I want three wide receivers or three running backs and two wide receivers. After five rounds, I want a three and two. Well, okay, that's a plan. That's okay. But don't marry one player. Don't get invested into one game plan, into one situation. It's something my wife does all the time. I see it, you know, year after year. And my wife's very, very good at fantasy. It's not like she's just playing, you know, because she's she's with us. It's it's money. You know, she spends five hundred thousand dollars a year playing fantasy leagues. Um, so you know, she she kind of sets her mind up. Ooh, I like this guy. All right, that's the guy I want. That's the guy I'm going to go get. And it doesn't matter what his cost is. It, it cost effective or not, she just goes crazy. Last year, <laughs> Ridley. Ridley was her guy, right? I mean, look at what that did. Uh, she liked Mike Davis a lot. So, oh, oh, yeah. Well, well, look at what that did. Now, she was a Jonathan Taylor girl, and, and she, she grabbed Jonathan Taylor kind of clear across the board in many, many uh, situations. He made a big trade for him. So that one worked out. But just don't marry into a player. Don't marry into a spot where you just can't move and you have no, no, no ability to move and shake because you got to have the fluidity. 
Lastly, I will say this. This goes, and by the way, that last piece, that goes for Daily Fantasy as well. And, and I should have let off with that because Daily Fantasy, it happens all the time. Forget about a draft. You know, in a draft, you could, you could make that mistake. In Daily Fantasy, if you marry that one player, uh, you know what? I absolutely love uh, Jamar Chase today. Going to go absolutely nuts against Pittsburgh. I love it. I'll spend anything. And you open it up and you go, wow, he's like the most expensive player. Um, I don't care. I'm doing it. And then you build your lineup around that guy. And it's not cost effective. That's a problem. Now you're going to hurt yourself in daily fantasy where other people are looking at it differently. The last point that I will get to before we will get after the break we will come back and we're going to talk about the first round and then uh, some other guys player. I could probably do a four hour show, but we're going to do an hour today. So the next piece of information I would say is have fun with your fantasy draft. And I don't mean in a scoring situation that was have fun with, with the league, have fun with a fantasy draft, have a good time with the draft itself. A lot of people now in technology days, and here we go, the man yelling at the crowd, the old man, but a lot of people now in technology uh, we pull out of the the interaction. Now, I'm not saying you all have to get together. When I owned a bar, I used to do fantasy football, and we would have draft parties. And the draft parties were awesome, and it's such a unique situation to watch the head games go on when you are live. When you are live, you can kind of tell what a guy's doing. He's ruffling through his papers, doesn't really know what he's doing, or you love this guy. Hey, this guy showed up to the draft, uh, you know, wearing a, a, a CMC jersey. He's got the first pick in the draft. I wonder if he's going to, who he's going to take. I mean, you know, you have that kind of stuff. You have the head games. Oh, you're going to take that guy? No, I'm going to take this guy. You see the body language. You're having beers. You're hanging out. You're eating food. Live drafts are always fantastic. That's the only way I can say it's fantastic. It is a time to hang out with your friends. It's a time to put on a jersey. You hang out. You got the big board. You you know, you're making fun of people. You're, You're having a good time. It's great. But if you can't do that, Still have some fun with it. Have the chat room. Try chat in the chat rooms if you're if you know the guys that you're with, right? Have some fun with them. Um, have a little a little something in the background. Oh, you know, you got a fantasy football show in the background or a game on, so you could talk to everybody. Put on your jersey. It's uh, you're just sitting at home. Who cares? Put on your favorite jersey and do it that way. If you could do it on a on a virtual a Zoom call or something, do it that way. Have fun. At the end of the day, this is about making money, obviously. When we're talking about sports betting, it is 100% about making money. It's not about having fun. Sports betting is not about having fun. It's about making money. But when you're talking about fantasy, even daily fantasy, yes, you want to make money. But you're inevitably doing it because you enjoy the sport, because you want to enjoy a little bit. So start it right off with draft day. Start it right off with draft day. You know, I love to know my draft position. When I used to have snake drafts, um, I used to always love to, and I'm still in one snake draft. It's that crazy, crazy rules one. I love the draft setup. I love everything they do. I just don't exactly love snake draft, but I'm still there. We we got our, our draft position in July. It was, the, it was the greatest day, early July too. So for two months, I've been thinking about who I'm going to take, who's going to land to me. I got number three overall. I'm going, ah, I don't know. Who do I take? What do I do? But it's fun. So even though it's not a keeper league, I start to get attached to the guy that I want at three. I start to get kind of formulate a plan. I start to kind of have a plan. Well, what if this guy does this? You start to think about, oh, who's in front of me? Who's behind me? This is all part of the experience um, where we all want to make money in fantasy. 
We will make money in Daily Fantasy if you continue to listen to the program. You will make money on prop plays just listening to me over the next couple of uh, couple of minutes here. We will make money, but it's also about fun, especially in season-long leagues. It is about having a good time. It is about camaraderie. It is about fun, and it should stay fun and not feel like a job. The minute that fantasy sports, fantasy you know, sports, not daily necessarily, because I know a lot of people make good money on that, but the day that fantasy sports, and I would say pretty much any sports, anything, starts to become a job, starts to become a, a feel like, oh, weights on you because you got to do it, then pull out of it. It should be fun, heighten the fun, have a good time with it. All right, let's take a quick time out. When we do come back, we absolutely are going to get into the first round. Who do I think should be the first pick? To me, it's it's painfully obvious. What about the best quarterbacks, best running backs, best wide receivers, best tight ends? We'll get into all of that right after this, right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get the gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? Okay, guys, what are the odds? Well, we're talking about what are the odds. Even though we're talking to fantasy, I am going to give you a preseason football odd. Why? Because the Baltimore Ravens have now won 21 straight preseason NFL preseason games. It's insane. 21 straight. John Arbor is a maniac when he comes to not only winning but covering. He has failed to cover only twice during that 20-plus winning streak. So this weekend, they are taking on the Cardinals. This line is jacked up to the biggest line so far in the preseason, all the way up to minus six and a half money is coming in on the six and a half. So that might get to seven. The money line is minus 290 right now for the Baltimore Ravens. And that is what are the odds? It is crazy what, what Harbaugh's doing. It's absolutely nuts. All right, let's get into a little first round conversation. And, and I think when you're talking about the first round, we have to talk about the first pick. And everybody loves to talk about the first pick. The first pick is obviously on everyone's mind. It's it's what everybody talks about. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It's always about pick number one. And in a snake draft, that might not even mean anything to you, but it's pick number one. Or who should you spend the most money on? Look, there were arguments over the course of the years that perhaps you should go for a tight end early Never number one. I'm sorry, it's never been number one overall. Maybe I, I would do something like that, but it's never been number one overall. Quarterback in a standard one quarterback league, you should never take a quarterback number one overall. Obviously, no kicker, no defense. So it's wide receiver or running back. Now, we went through a small portion of a small generation for about a four or five year stint where, where the running backs were just not that great. And it started to have a conversation of, do you take a wide receiver? Do you? I still can't remember a single year where I was ever in any kind of snake draft ever where number one overall was a wide receiver. I can't remember any year ever in an auction draft where a wide receiver was more expensive than the top running back. So although we do have a guy coming off a historic, monumental, eye-popping season like Cooper Cup, a guy that uh, is young and kind of rolling in a Justin Jefferson that could have a seriously sick year. Oh, man, he could go crazy. Yeah, as much as we have a Jamar Chase that, uh, look, there's still still plenty of room for improvement there, even though he went to the Super Bowl and he was amazing. It's all about the running backs here. And you start to break down, okay, who are the real, real running backs that you can kind of talk about? I believe it's Eckler, Cook, Henry, McCaffrey, and Taylor. 
to me, those are the top five. And you look at a guy like Austin Eckler, who scored 20 touchdowns last year, but his production and the percentage were off the charts. The production for Austin Eckler was reminiscent of something that we've never seen before. Austin Eckler is not really a three-down workhorse. The Chargers went out there and they drafted somebody, Isaiah Spiller, by the way, grab him, uh, to kind of take the load off. He's a dynamic player, Austin Eckler, and he's going to be uh, absolutely a part of this offense. But he led, well, he finished eighth in the NFL total touches and had 14, 14th in touches per game. Guys, it's just going to go down a little bit. I don't put him number one, although I love the offense and I love Eckler as a player. He's just not number one. Dalvin Cook is as simple as this. Dalvin Cook may be considered number one if he could stay healthy for a full 17 games, which he cannot. He has never proven to do that ever. And if he wasn't going to a completely different offense, he's going from a run, 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 and run some more offense to we're going to throw it all over the field. So you can't have Dalvin Cook number one. That leaves the consensus three. And these are the three that I think we're all sort of debating. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, and Derrick Henry. Now, I think that Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey both have the ability to be number one overall with a bullet. Both are coming off of an injury. Both of them are being treated as if the injury is no big deal. Both of those injuries have a bad history of people coming back and just being perfectly fine. Now, you could look at a Derrick Henry and you could say, look, He's massive, he's gigantic, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, people are going to get punished by him, and I believe a lot of that. But I also look at an offense that just got rid of A.J. Brown and may have to run him even more, which means more battering on his body, which also means more carries. He is going to get carries all the time. He averaged about 30 touches per game. That's seven more than the next running back going into last year before the injury. That's who he was. And when he's in there, I mean, he is a league winner constantly. He's owed $15 million this season. Uh, But guys, look, he's getting up there in age. And age 27, historically, is the age where running backs start to fade. Well, Henry's older than that. Christian McCaffrey, a lot of the same thing. Christian McCaffrey is the number one running back in fantasy. If you believe he can stay healthy for 17 weeks. See, there's always an if. There's always an if. Okay, you look at what he's done since 2020. He missed 18 games, guys, 18 games. Okay, now when he's in there, he's dynamic. When he's in there, he's he's unbelievable. When he's in there, you know, he he's basically the number one guy. And he's got a huge upside now with Baker Mayfield there. He's got a huge upside with they even tried to improve that offensive line a little bit. He's got he's got number one upside. Number one upside. But are you overlooking the ankle injury? Are you overlooking the AC joint sprain? Are you overlooking the thigh injury? Are you overlooking another high ankle sprain? Are you overlooking all of that? Yes. So that leaves Jonathan Taylor, for me, is number one overall. Now, I will say this. I don't think Jonathan Taylor repeats the year that he had last year. But he's the safest to me. He's the safest. Jonathan Taylor started the year off last year in almost a timeshare. At least that's what we thought. With Mac. He's led the NFL in red zone touches, which means getting close, you're going to score, right? You're going to hand it to him. That is massive. That's a that's a Mike Allstock kind of guy, right? I mean, you know that he's getting it right there. He's also doing better as a receiver. So you look at that and you go, yeah, he could receive, or be a receiver as well. 
But we've already heard the rumblings in camp that they don't want to absolutely ride him into the ground. Naeem Hines is still there. Matt Ryan loves those little dump-off receivers. I think Naeem Hines, by the way, is in for a big year. You also have Matt Ryan back there now. So while they will be a run-first offense with a 37-year-old Matt Ryan, of course, he can fling the ball a little bit better than Carson Wentz and certainly better than what the Colts have had over the last couple of years. So you look at Jonathan Taylor with a, a Frank Reich, who's an offensive coordinator, knowing He's the bread and butter. And I think that the 17-game season certainly does have something to do with it. I think Jonathan Taylor is the safest. And here is my get-on-your-soapbox moment here. In the first round of fantasy drafts, you heard it said before, but so many people still make the same mistakes. In the first round of the fantasy draft, do not lose your draft. That's it. Get out with safety. You can completely submarine your entire season if you go in on Christian McCaffrey or Derek Henry and they're out for the year, or Dalvin Cook, okay? And everybody, everybody has question marks. Every running back has question marks. Taylor, he's never done it again. He's got a, a new quarterback. Will he get the efficiency? McCaffrey's injured. Henry's injured. Cook is injured every year. Will Eckler get kind of the carries again? Najee Harris, uh, we'll, we'll talk about him in a moment. People just think that there's no way he could lead the league in rushing, uh, you know, attempts again this year, Pittsburgh seems to think differently. Nick Chubb, well, he'd be great if there wasn't a guy, uh, Kareem Hunt, standing right next to him. Oh, um, by the way, right now he's got a backup quarterback that's trying to play, you know, be a starting quarterback. DeAndre Swift, do you trust the Lions? Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara has more touches when you're talking about receiving and, and uh, yards over the last three years than anybody else. Alvin Kamara, well, is he going to be suspended? Is he going to be the same without Sean Payton? Well, he's got Jameis Winston now. Saquon Barkley, uh, question marks up to you-know-what. Aaron Jones, well, you know what? There's no Devontae Adams there anymore. Well, I don't know. Is he going to, is A.J. Dillon going to cut into it? Javante Williams, you start to question, well, how much is Melvin Gordon going to cut into his workload? Leonard Fournette doesn't have a lot of question marks. He actually doesn't, except he came into camp like 15 pounds too heavy and people freaked out. So, the number one overall pick for me is Jonathan Taylor not because I think he's going to finish number one. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to finish number one. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the league. But I think he should be the number one choice because he's the least likely to drop out of the top first round, let's say, than anybody else. He's the least likely. I, I, I can't imagine Jonathan Taylor finishing outside the top five running backs, outside you know the first round here. So Jonathan Taylor is number one because of that. I have Christian McCaffrey number two because as much as I like Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, and if I'm going on an injury risk, I'm not looking at three years of injuries. I'm looking at what injury are they coming off of last year? What injury by Derrick Henry bothers me? But Christian McCaffrey is a guy where when he's on the field, he is the best running back in the league. He is the best fantasy running back in the league. He's the best fantasy player in the league, period, when he's on the field. So I look at Christian McCaffrey and I look at Derrick Henry and I say, okay, I, I, it's kind of splitting hairs. I'm going McCaffrey because he's younger and I've seen a little bit better upside. And if you're going to roll the dice here, and you're going to gamble with the number two overall pick, McCaffrey or Henry, you know, I'm kind of up in the air. Fourth pick, here we go. This is, this is now where I get a little controversial because I'm starting to look at Justin Jefferson and Cooper I'm starting with pick four. And I listen, I'm going to, if I have pick two, I'm looking. 
because I love the security. But I'll probably go roll the dice with McCaffrey and Henry. Pick four. Listen, I'm going Eckler. I'm going Eckler above Cook, above Mixon, above I'm going Austin Eckler. I know that he's going to have a pullback game. I, I know he's not scoring 20 touchdowns and, and you know being top 10 in touches. I know that. But I think that Chargers offense is going to be massively efficient. I think that Chargers offense is going to get looks. If you say, look, he has a quote-unquote pullback year, what is a pullback year from 20 touchdowns? 15, 14? I, I'll take that all day. And I think that there is a little bit of security with Austin Eckler because he catches the ball. So, you know, if they're loading the box and there's eight men in the box, well, all of a sudden, Austin Eckler, uh, what can he do? Well, he catch the ball out of the backfield. So you take a look at Austin Eckler there at four overall. Number five overall, I'm going Najee Harris. I think Harris is still going to get the volume. I think Pittsburgh is not going to be nearly as bad as people think. There's a seven and a half spread for them uh, for total wins this year, plus money to the over. I, I, Tomlin's never not gotten to eight wins. He's getting to eight wins, okay? And if he's going to get to eight wins, they're going to switch it to Kenny Pickett during the year. Trubinsky will be fine early on. I think that their receiving core can open things up. I like their tight end. I, I like Pittsburgh, and I think that Harris is just going to get the volume. Dalvin Cook after that is the normal choice here, but not for me. This is when I start going receivers. And I'm going Justin Jefferson above Cooper Cup. And I'm going Justin Jefferson above Cooper Cup because of this. Again, it was a McCaffrey-Henry, kind of flip a coin, kind of splitting hairs here. I think Justin Jefferson has the biggest upside. He is he is just in an unbelievable offensive situation now. They're going to throw it all day. He's finally got an offensive coach. He's young. He's a budding star. Cooper Cup did unbelievable things. And I've owned him in fantasy for three years running, right? So I like Cooper Cup. I like Cooper Cup in college. Yeah, I know where he went to school. I like Cooper Cup then. I worry about Matthew Stafford's arm. I worry that the Rams might just have nothing but Super Bowl in their mind. So maybe they don't need Cooper Cup production at that level. I worry that a guy like Allen Robinson comes in and he becomes a really efficient number two. The Rams have already talked about they want to really do screen passes more with Daryl Henderson. They want to run the ball more. They want to do that. It's just setting up where I prefer Jefferson over Cup, but I'll take Jefferson Cup next too. Dalvin Cook after that, I told you, I I don't like that he's a new new, uh, situation. Joe Mixon after that. And Joe Mixon is in a good spot. I just think that the Bengals have a little bit of a pullback this year, and it wouldn't shock me if the Bengals turned around and started going pass happy. We saw it at the end of the year. I don't know if they go completely pass happy, but I can see them going a little pass happy here. So rounding out, you know, the top 10, I'm still looking at Nick Chubb as my guy here. Nick Chubb makes a lot of sense, but I'm going to go Jamar Chase, so I'm going another wide receiver. My problem with Jamar Chase is that Higgins is so good, and we've only had one time in history where we've had two wide receivers in the fantasy format scoring in the top 10 in this kind of situation. It's just just not likely. Do I think Higgins is going to take the step back or Jamar Chase? Well, Jamar Chase is the big play guy. Maybe they don't have as many big plays, but he's still a top 10 guy for me. So now to round out my top 10, who am I looking to to kind of finish this off? Nick Chubb makes a lot of sense. Nick Chubb should probably be the guy here. Me personally, I'd be going tight end. And I still, look, I love Mark Andrews and I love what he did. And and it bothers me that people look at Mark Andrews and they go, oh yeah, you know, he's a guy that at at the end of the day, 
Oh, he, he succeeded with bad quarterbacks. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't it a good thing that he succeeded with bad quarterbacks, guys? How is this? How is this a negative? But I'm still going with Travis Kelsey. I would go Travis Kelsey at number 10. And, and that's above Nick Chubb. Here's why I would go Travis Kelsey at number 10. Because Travis Kelsey, while, yes, we have never seen a tight end at 33 years, uh, 33 years of age score a thousand, 10 touchdowns in 1,000 yards. We have never seen that. I don't care. Travis Kelsey is built different. Losing Tyreek Hill is going to hurt, but I've spoken to people in um, all kinds of, of areas. I've spoken to some coaches off the books. I've talk, uh, spoken to executives, and I've spoken to some players. And basically, they laugh at the notion that a wide receiver would cause that much of a downfall for the entire offense. Juju's pretty good. Sky Moore, everyone's all into. And you still have Patrick Mahomes back there. Kelsey's going to be fine. Kelsey's got one more year of being fine. Now, again, Travis Kelsey may not perform like the number one tight end, but I think it would be stunning to everybody if he fell out of the top four. And in position scarcity, and this year, the tight ends are Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Pitts, and, and, and you know, you go, maybe Waller. After that, you're going into Hawkins. It, 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 it's four, maybe five top ones. So I'll go in Kelsey there. If I want Kelsey there, I'm going Mark Andrews after that at 11. And I'll round out the first round with Nick Chubb. Although Alvin Kamara is really, really, really close for me. I like Chubb. And I like the idea that maybe Kareem Hunt won't be around. I like the idea that there's a chance that Kareem Hunt will not be a part of this team. That makes that makes it a lot easier to kind of make a decision here. All right. You look at, at that. That's the top 12. But this is a different kind of situation here when we're talking about going in. I'm not going to go and do my second round here. I'm going to start talking about tiers because once you get that first guy, I think you have to then start concentrating on the tiers and who's coming up next. What what we think, do I like this guy here or here? Because it doesn't matter. If you reach, you reach. I hate guys that go, well, you know what? I was going to take him in the second, but he's a late second. I'm early second. Who cares? Still the second round. Go get your guy. So there's a lot of guys here that I think have a lot of a bright, bright future, and the bright future might start this year. I'm going to take a little bit higher. So I want to go through the tiers as opposed to the rounds. Right after this, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, the, to future. the future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future brings us to the division where Matthew Stafford is a little bit in question. Trey Lance seems to be on everyone's lips in fantasy and in real life. And, of course, we have the Seahawks upheaval. Russell Wilson left. And the Arizona Cardinals. Well, Kyler Murray is signed. DeAndre Hopkins, though, is sitting home suspended. So let's take a look at the division odds in the NFC West. The Rams are plus 125. The Niners plus 200. The Cardinals are plus 300. And Seattle is 16 to 1. That is bet to the future. And it is interesting that that division um, has just had so much uh, just chatter about it. I mean, it really has. And it is still a division where I think there are three teams legitimately that are people talking about that absolutely can win the Super Bowl. And not only win the Super Bowl, but from a fantasy perspective, they're stacked. Take the Seahawks out. I get it. But absolutely stacked in each one of these, these teams. Um, which brings us to let's start talking about some quarterbacks. We'll start at the top of the list right here. It's Josh Allen. It's number one overall. He is in a two-quarterback league. He's the number one player. 
He's a super flex lead. He's the number one player. Josh Allen does it all. As a matter of fact, Josh Allen wasn't even that efficient passing. So there's actually room for growth. And one of the big reasons because his rushing ability is off the charts. Now, I will say this. I think as Allen starts to get older, and it may start happening as soon as this year, um, he has had back-to-back campaigns where he's the number one quarterback. I get that. It may start happening as, as close as this year, maybe, that they start saying, okay, Allen, you're the franchise. Stop running as much. But we haven't really seen that at all. 4,407 passing yards, 63.3 per completion percentage, 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 763 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns. Here's the thing with Josh Allen. There's room for improvement where 4,400 passing yards, I can easily see that getting to 47, 48, maybe, maybe five. 47, 48, sure. Passing touchdowns, I, I think he gets 40 this year. I think the addition of Gabriel and, and, and how he's jumped up, I, 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 I think he gets 40 this year. Interceptions will always be there because he's a kind of a gunslinger. So the 15 will always got, kind of be right around there. And then rushing yards. Look, he may rush for less yards and even a little bit less rushing touchdowns, but that means he's going to be throwing for more. It's not like the Bills' offense going anywhere. To me, Josh Allen is number one overall. Where do you take him in a standard league draft? I'm a guy that I'll I'll pay for quality. So if somebody in your league is a Josh Allen fan, he may take him in the late second. I'll, t- I'll take him in the mid to late third. And I know a lot of people think that you should wait on quarterbacks, and I understand it. But Allen is the exception to me. Herbert and Mahomes come next. I told you I'm in a two-quarterback league where I pick number three. I have the decision, basically, in my opinion, between Herbert and Mahomes because I think the second guy is going to take Jonathan Taylor. And I'm fine with either one of them. I think it's splitting hairs. Look, Justin Herbert is the the guy everybody kind of wants to see bounce up, but I think the Chargers' defense is going to be a little bit better this year. So maybe the Chargers won't have as many red zone opportunities. Patrick Mahomes, look, we know he lost Tyreek Hill. He's had bad games here and there, but he's still Patrick Mahomes. To me, Lamar Jackson is next. I think Lamar Jackson has an MVP campaign. I already have money on him at 25 to 1 to win the MVP. He can have that kind of campaign. And Lamar Jackson has the unique ability to just dominate and put up eye-popping stats that the fantasy community just drool over. Uh, even as as much as we love Josh Allen, Josh Allen cannot do the things that Lamar Jackson can. Now, is Josh Allen a better quarterback? Of course he is. But he can't go out there and and <laughs> rush for, you know, 11, 1,200 yards and and uh, like 10 touchdowns, which Lamar Jackson certainly can do that. Not saying he will, but he certainly can do that. Um, Lamar Jackson is kind of the next guy that I, I, I would go for. Look, I, at the end of the day, if you're not in a two-quarterback league, I'm not really reaching for any of these quarterbacks. Next, five, six, seven, eight, I'm going to say the next tier, it's Murray, it's Hurts, it's Burrow, it's potentially Brady. You could put a Prescott in there. You could put a Wilson in there. To me, that, that's the next grouping. And shuffle them how you want. Burrow with the appendix, I'm not that worried. And Brady sitting out, eh, mildly worried. I probably would take the security in Brady. Murray and Hurts, look, they have the rushing upside, of course. Wilson's stability, if you believe in the Denver move. And Dak, Dak's probably at the bottom of that 10, only because of what Dallas lost on offense. Everybody loves Trey Lance. I'm still taking, and it pains me to say, I'm still taking Aaron Rodgers over Trey Lance. I'm still still taking Matthew Stafford over Trey Lance. I'm still taking Derek Carr over Trey Lance. I may be taking Kirk Cousins over Trey Lance. Now, I, tra- I think Trey Lance has a massive ceiling, massive ceiling. But I've heard conflicting reports. He is in that, that top 15 range, that next tier. If you think you like him over those established stars, we just draft differently. I don't roll the dice very often. 
next grouping, Tua, Fields, Lawrence, Winston, Ryan, Tannehill, uh, Mac Jones, Carson Wentz, Zach Wilson, obviously heard Baker Mayfield. I think Mayfield is a guy you could take a stab on late. Same thing with Jared Goff. If you're in a two-quarterback league and your second quarterback winds up being Goff or Mayfield, I think you can live with that. If you're going out there and you get an established star like a, a Herbert or a Mahomes and your backup is Mayfield or Goff, I think you're pretty happy with that. Obviously, you got to look at the bye weeks, but I think you're pretty happy with that. Matt Ryan's a guy that I think is going to be overdrafted a little bit. He's solid. I've seen people put him into that 15-16 range. I think Tua being ahead of Trevor Lawrence is, is a nightmare. And the same thing over Winston. I don't know how good they're going to be, but I know that they're ceiling. And Tua, look, this is a defense-first team at the end of the day. It still is. By the way, let me just shoot this out here. Josh Allen by week seven. Herbert and Mahomes both have eight. Lamar Jackson's a 10. Then Murray's 13, Hertz is a 7, Burrow's a 10, Brady's an 11, Wilson's 9, and so the same thing with Dak Prescott. So, for example, if you're looking for a second quarterback to be, uh, let's say, a Kirk Cousins, well, don't pair him with a Josh Allen, right? If you want your second quarterback to be, um, you know, a a Trevor Lawrence, don't compare, don't pair him up with Tom Brady, just for an example. All right, let's go to the running back tiers. In the running back tiers, um, we did a little bit of this. It's Taylor McCaffrey. Henry, Cook, Eckler, Mixon, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb. So the next grouping, I told you, it's Swift, Kamara. I'm going Kamara over Swift, but Swift, Kamara. People love DeAndre Swift. And I get it, that Lions offense is pretty exciting, but I'm I'm going Kamara here. Saquon has massive upside. Aaron Jones, but Javante Williams is my guy. I know that everybody loves Javante Williams' um, upside, but this year, well, he's being stifled for, by Melvin Gordon, and there's a Melvin Gordon problem, and it's this, how much he's going to tap into him. You know, last year, outside of one running back, nobody had more than 70% of the carries. And and there's four running backs that had 65% or more of the carries. So, Javante Williams, if he's going to get 55 or 60%, that's like most of the league. I, I think that he will be fine. And Melvin Gordon is already banged up in camp. If he ever goes down, Javante Williams is a league winner. I have Javante Williams massively high here. I would take Javante Williams inside the top 10. I would take Javante Williams over Austin. Uh, I'm sorry, over uh, DeAndre Swift. I would take Javante Williams right now over Alvin Kamara because I don't know the legal situation. I may take him over Nick Chubb. That's how high I believe in Javante Williams, who had the second best breaking tackles percentage. That means something. That means he creates his own space. That is a, that is just a fantastic trait. Leonard Fournette is next again. Leonard Fournette, I have massively up my list. Leonard Fournette is in a situation where three offensive linemen went down. Normally, that hurts. It actually helps Leonard Fournette because he's going to be the only guy Tom Brady trusts. If you remember, Ronald Jones couldn't even get into the game. Why? Tom Brady said it. I don't trust him in pass protection. I mean, you know, he's learning new things. Leonard Fournette is going to be trusted in pass protection to trust 150-year-old Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette's going to get all of the playing time, all of the carries. Many sites have him listed 15 or lower. I have him pushing the top 10, and it wouldn't shock me if you... Wanted to take him inside the top 10. James Conner, massively underrated. I think James Conner is another guy. Look, was always really good with Pittsburgh. Always behind a weird kind of line. We weren't sure if it was good or not. He had 18 touchdowns last year. He's not getting 18, but let's say he pulls that back by a third. Right? By a third. Take six away. He's still got 12 touchdowns. <laughs> he's, he's still got 12 touchdowns, guys. I will take that all day. Ezekiel Elliott, a lot of people kind of going out there with Zeke and really liking on, on Zeke. Look, I, I just, 
I think Zeke looked good early. I can't trust him, though. But the guys behind him, I can't really trust either. I don't trust Akers. Already hearing Henderson talk there. Brees Hall, hey, he's a rookie. I think he's got upside, but now he has an offensive lineman. Becton's injured. Wilson's out. David Montgomery. I do trust him, but I think he's going to be in a timeshare because he's a free agent after this year. We know what uh, stingy people are up in Chicago. I think Herbert's going to be the guy. The Elijah Mitchell's already in- injured. J.K. Dobbins coming back from an injury. Antonio Gibson looking like he's in a timeshare. Travis Etienne, I like him. I like him by... More than every name I just mentioned in this tier. I like Travis Etienne, but James Robinson looks 100% healthy. Doug Peterson has a history of going with a committee. Josh Jacobs, well, he's looking over his shoulder. He might not have a job. A.J. Dillon, we already talked about his competition. Damian Harris, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Rashad Penny. All of them have questions and problems. The guy I'd be reaching for here, well, obviously, I'm an Etienne guy, but the guy I'd be reaching for here is Ramondre Stevenson, who most people have, 30 to 35 to 40, even they have him in the same grouping as, as a Melvin Gordon that I mentioned as a uh, Daryl Henderson, which I mentioned Stevenson's a guy that if he pulls down the, the kind of James white role in new England, he could be a top 10 guy. I like him a lot. If you're going to reach, that's where I'm reaching. Okay, let's go on to the wide receivers now. And I did mention it. Look, I like Jefferson more than cup. I like chase as number three. Stephon Diggs is as solid as you could possibly get. I am a big Stephon Diggs fan. I just don't see the overall, overall number one upside. Justin Jefferson could lead all of fantasy in scoring. Cooper Cup could lead all of fantasy in scoring. Jamar Chase could lead all of fantasy in scoring. I don't see Stephon Diggs with that kind of upside. But here's the thing. I think Stephon Diggs as a four very well is, is maybe the most secure guy to not drop out of the top 10. I can see Cooper Cup with the injuries and things like that. We're to Matthew Stafford. I can see Jamar Chase and them going to a running game and, and maybe Higgins kind of stepping up. I can see Justin Jefferson not succeeding with the new coach and Kirk Cousins having problems. Nothing is changing with Stephon Diggs. Obviously, I'm high on Buffalo, by the way. Uh, so uh, Stephon Diggs at four, for sure, for me. Devontae Adams has a new situation. Can't really knock him lower than five. Not in this situation. I think a lot of people have Tyreek Hill here at six in this next tier. I don't, and I don't have Debo. I have question marks about Trey Lance. I have question marks about Tua and their new spot. I'm going to go here with Mike Evans. Mike Evans coming back. As long as Brady comes back, I think he, again, he's a very secure guy. Same thing with C.D. Lamb. Look, if C.D. Lamb has doesn't have the big leap up, and I know he's got to start to become the number one receiver. He's going to get double heave and all that. But if he doesn't, get that jump up. He's still good, in my opinion, for 1,200 yards, six, seven, eight touchdowns. That, that's fantastic. That's fine. So he's pretty safe. You got Tyreek, A.J. Brown, uh, a T. Higgins in my top 10 just seems to miss. I'm a big fan of Michael Pittman. I like a Cortland Sutton, who I think will excel. Remember, you look at Tyler Lockett, how he excelled. He's the same sort of player to me. Jalen Waddell, it's not going away, guys. Jalen Waddell should be a top 15 guy. DK Metcalf doesn't have a quarterback, but he can produce with that big body. Terry McLaren, again, he's never had a quarterback, but he's got a lot of upside. I like them more than both of the guys in with the charges in Allen and Williams because you have two of them. You have Allen and Williams, and you have Eckler, and they added a tight end this year. I think I like Allen and Williams. I think Williams maybe I like more than Allen, but I'm not touching either one of them. DJ Moore is an underrated asset as well. Misses my top 15, but he is inside my top 20. 
Deontay Johnson just misses. Braden Cooks just misses. Gabrielle Davis, who I mentioned earlier, just misses. They just missed my top 20. They're just outside my top 20, kind of sneaking in to try to battle it out for number 20. But I like all of them. I don't think Johnson takes a step back that people think. Brandon Cooks is a guy that produces. I can be throwing to him. And hey, let's be honest. I may be throwing to him here in Houston. And Gabriel Davis is going to have that step up this year. Uh, Marquise Brown, we expect big things from him. Jerry Judy is probably the best Denver receiver that there is, even though I like Sutton. He's got big upside. Daryl Mooney, I like for big upside as well. I don't know if he's going to have any protection. I worry about fields, but Mooney is really the guy. Chris Godwin is an interesting player. He's usually being drafted right around 30 or so. And look, if you if you could survive with him being kind of a number three wide receiver option, maybe a flex guy for the first three or four weeks, he could be a league winner and a, an absolute championship winner come championship time. Michael Thomas, I'm not touching this year. I think he'd come back and be great. I am not touching him. Same thing with Rashad Bateman. I've seen glimpses of what he can do, and it looked great. It looked fantastic. I'm not touching him. Guys later down uh, on the list, look, I think Adam Thielen has a, a pretty good year. Uh, Juju Smith will have a pretty solid season. I think people are forgetting about how good Tyler Lockett is. Now, it's a problem. I get it. Um, Alan Lazard could be the number one there. I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins. I'll take him for the playoff time. I do think Hunter Renfro gets knocked down. Christian Kirk could be Christian Kirk could be a top 20 guy. If you, if you believe in Trevor Lawrence like I do, um, you start to look at a guy like Chase Claypool. Obviously, he has all the talent. So does Alave. So does Sky Moore. I just don't buy into them. I would rather go with a guy like Devontae Parker, who's the number one in New England. I'd rather go and take a shot at a DJ Chark getting a lot of carries or a lot of uh, looks in Detroit. He's kind of the guy I'd be looking at. Last but not least, we have Julio Jones, who everyone seems to be going, all right, that's going to be my last That's going to be my last guy. I'm taking Julio. Julio Jones is my last guy. Look, if I had a shot to take a last player, my last wide receiver, I'm going George Pickens on the Steelers. All right, we'll continue with receptions here. I told you, I have Kelsey, Andrews, one, two. Three, I have Kittle, guys. Look, I know that it's a rookie, and I know that Kittle doesn't score touchdowns, and I know Kittle's a better blocker than anything, but I know what I'm getting from George Kittle. And the time missed, I don't mind with a tight end because I could always grab one late to kind of fill in and you hope that he just gets a touchdown. I'm doing it over Kyle Pitts just because I just don't buy into Atlanta. I don't buy into Mariota. I know he's a generational talent. I, I do. I get it. I get it. But I'm not buying into him being a top three yet. He's got to prove it. Darren Waller comes in at five for me um, just because he has to. Now he's sat out camp. He's been injured. He's 30 years old. He's got problems. But his upside, we've seen two years ago how good he can be. Dalton Schultz is pushing him, though, and so is Dallas Goddard. So is D.J. Hawkinson. I don't mind any of those three. I don't mind Schultz, Goddard, or Hawkinson being my starting tight end at all. And that's six, seven, eight. To me, you throw him in a blender. I think Goddard, if he had the opportunity, would be great. Dalton Schultz will have the opportunity because he's the second option there. And D.J. Hawkinson, I'm not sure what to make him. Coming out of college, I love this guy, and now I'm a little bit down. Zach Ertz is next for me. Zach Ertz is inside my top 10, and Dawson Knox isn't. And also, who is in my top 10 or just missing? I, look, I, I, I'm a Pat Faramuth guy. I, I, I like Faramuth. I think he's fantastic. Cole Komet is a guy I expect to take a big leap and try to get into that top 10. It's not that I don't like Dawson Knox, but you saw I like a lot of guys on, on this list that are on Buffalo, which means there's a lot of mouths to feed. The last guy I'm going to say, if you have a... I'm going to throw out two guys. Two guys with that last pick. If you're looking for that tight end and you waited and you're looking for a backup, Brevin Jordan could be something special in Houston. Davis Mills is going to need a lot of, of quick releases. Brevin Jordan could be that guy, big-bodied guy there. I know everybody's looking at Albert O, but you could take a shot 
had Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram sitting back there and being that guy, uh, you know, everything's down on him, but he's got a young, young quarterback and they love tight ends. He's got a lot to prove in a contract year. He's got a coach that's going to utilize him the right way. All right, real quick, we'll go some kickers here. Uh, Tucker and Bass, obviously, you know, you, you throw Cincinnati's offense in there, the Rams offense. I don't care. I don't care about kickers at all. I'm going to just take a good offense. You want somebody, here you go. You want somebody in the back of the top 10. I'll take, I'll take a guy like Blankenship is good. I think that uh, McManus will be fine in Denver. You could take a shot at him. Dustin Hopkins for the Chargers. And I'm always a Robbie Gould guy in San Francisco. I think he'll get his share. As far as defenses go this year, I generally disagree with almost all of the rankings. Uh, almost every right. Look, everyone's got Buffalo, Tampa, one, two. And I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that. San Francisco. Okay. I could kind of see a three. People have the Colts, Rams, basically four, five or three, four, five. They're in there. The Colts are missing their defensive coordinator. Plain and simple. They're without their defensive coordinator. The Rams are, are missing some players, guys. They're already banged up. And can't, I, I'd rather take a shot that Bill Belichick does it right with the Patriots. I'd rather take a shot that the Chargers' immense talent gets it right, and they're being drafted outside the top 10. I'd rather take a shot at the Baltimore Ravens, who always seem to have a pretty good defense. I'd rather take a shot at those players and, and those defenses, I should say, late, rather than hope and wish and stretch for one of these defenses that I sort of like, but I don't really love. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. That is our Fantasy Focus show. It's always a really fun show. Tell me what you guys think. You can always write us at sportsgarten.com, sportsgarten over at Facebook, over at Twitter. Hashtag SGN is how you get a hold of us there. I want to hear what you guys think. I want to hear, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.